Hey, uh, Sean beat me to this this evening, but I would love to, um, I wanted to be the first to usher in 2015. This is our last gathering in 2014. I can hardly believe it. Like, I am just sitting here going, where did the time go? Um, With 2015 around the corner, I think it's fun. We have a lot of things that are going to be happening. We have a lot of challenges that are going to be ahead. We have a lot of um, celebrations to enjoy with one another. But I thought, man, entering in, kind of ushering in to this 2015 season, what a better topic than to talk about the gospel. What better topic as a community to talk about than the gospel? And so we are going to be talking about that this evening. But before we get there, I have to lay some concrete for you. I have to lay some foundation. Um, And that foundation is this. Um, We have to um, know some things. And and rather than than assume, I've lived too long, I've been married for almost 10 years. I know that's not a huge amount of time. I've done life with others. I know that assuming is bad. And so I've really, again, got to lay some foundation tonight. And the first one is this. Um, The Bible is about God. I don't want to assume that you believe that, that you know that, that you think that. But the Bible is about God. God is making much of himself. From the beginning of creation, we've seen that God is making much of himself. The Bible is not about you and I, it's about God. It's God's story, again, of making much of himself. So God is ultimately about making himself known and bringing glory to himself. And this is why scripture constantly says things like, for his namesake, or God's glory. Let me give you a few examples. In Ezekiel 20, verse 9, we see that for the sake of his name, God did not destroy Israel in the desert. We also see that in Psalm 106, 8, God saves men for his namesake. Lastly, Israel became great and powerful among the nations because God was making himself a name in 2 Samuel 7, 23. What we see weave throughout scripture though is, um, and actually we just got finished with a series called The Promise. And in that series, we saw that the main way God is making himself known, he's bringing glory to himself is through the gospel. Dave Harvey says that the gospel is the heart of the Bible. Everything in scripture is either preparation for the gospel presentation of the gospel or participation in the gospel. With the gospel being the heart of the Bible, we must have clarity on this subject. I don't want us to be confused. And unfortunately, in my experience, there has been some confusion. Let me give you a couple examples. Uh, I was a student's pastor before coming here to Hillsborough, and I would ask my students, what is the gospel? And they would tell me, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? I say, no, no, those are the Gospels. Those are the first four books of the Bible that we call the Gospels, but that's not the Gospel. You can find the Gospel in them, but that's not the Gospel. I've also heard the the Gospel described as the social Gospel. This is the idea in which we go out and meet needs, physical, internal needs, but we never proclaim the great redemption name of Jesus. 
We don't proclaim the Jesus as, as the fix. We just try to fix external needs. We feed the homeless. We provide care for the widow. We, but we never mention the name of Jesus. That's called the social gospel. I also have heard the gospel described as the prosperity gospel. This is where you believe in God and your life is a utopia. It's all good. There's nothing ever happens in your life that's bad. Tell the disciples that. Tell those who follow Jesus that. Because man, the way they died for the sake of Jesus, for their love for God, I know that none of us would sit here tonight and go, sign me up for that, right? It's the prosperity gospel. It's not true. It's not the gospel. Instead, the gospel is God's redemptive activity in Christ Jesus on behalf of his creation. In honesty, I have some fear of talking about the gospel tonight. My fear is this, that you've already begun to tune out. If you've trusted in Jesus, the gospel's old news, right? You already heard it once. Wrong. The gospel is for Christians. The gospel is also, though, for people who don't believe in Jesus. The gospel's for both. We need to hear God's message of good news. I, uh, again, had some students when I was a student pastor come to me and say uh, one evening, and actually, this is several conversations we had, but uh, they came to me and said, Kenny, we just have to talk to you about something. Every night here at youth group, you incorporate the gospel into your messages. We've already heard that, Kenny. Isn't there more, Kenny? We... And then I got uh, this email from one of them when they were in college. I just wanted to read it for you tonight. It says this, Kenny, God has been teaching me a lot, which is so awesome, but it also reveals more and more of my sins. Funny how he does that. Ha, ha, ha. But another thing that I have really been learning this year is how essential it is to turn our gaze back to the cross and what our Savior did for us. It humbles us to show that we are nothing without Christ and deserve eternity in hell and death. But he saved us from that and gives us so much reason to honor and glorify his holy name. I think I knew that in high school, but I never believed it to the extent that I do now. And I didn't see why it was so important to keep reminding ourselves of that and never lose sight of that relationship with Jesus and how worthy he is to be praised. It is the reason for our existence. Sorry, that was kind of a rant. I get a little excited. But all that to say, I, I so affirm your desire to incorporate the gospel into each of your talks. I remember one of our talks, I think I was annoyed by that. And I want to kick myself for it because I should never lose sight of that. And it continues to draw us closer to God. I think it was so valuable to do that, and I want to encourage you in that. And that I don't think it was, I was at a place spiritually to see that, Kenny, I love the story of Jesus, and I love that it was told in every talk you gave so that the world can know and love him. Friends, the gospel is for Christians. 
not just non-Christians. If you still don't agree, check out the epistles. Paul speaks to the church in Philippi and he reminds them of the gospel. He speaks to the church in Galatia and reminds them of the gospel. He speaks to the church in Corinth and reminds them of the gospel. The main audience that he's sharing this with is not non-Christians. They're Christians. The gospel is for those who trust and follow Jesus and for those who don't. Please turn with me to Colossians. We're gonna be hanging out in chapter one. As you turn there, I wanna give you a little bit of background. The church in Colossae was started by a guy named Epaphras. Epaphras went to um, Ephesus. He was there, I don't know what for, but he actually heard Paul sharing the gospel there in Ephesus. Paul was there for, I think, three years doing ministry, and and Epaphras heard the gospel. Obviously trusted in Jesus as his Lord and Savior. The news was so good that he went back to Colossae, shared it with some friends, and a church sprouts there. A church uh, is born. And so later on, as that church grew, some false teachers started to seep in. And so my man, Epaphras, went back, found Paul in Rome, and said, said, Paul, we got a problem. And so this letter that you're about to read, some of it we're about to read tonight, is to the church in Colossae, where um, Paul is trying to encourage them to go deeper with God, rather than to listen to these, uh, rather than listen to these false teachers, instead to go deeper in God, and he wants to encourage them in that. If you can turn over or get to verse nine, we're going to start there. It says this: "For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you." We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God and being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. As you can see, the author Paul loves that a church has sprouted in Colossae. He wants to see those that gather there mature. He wants to see them go deeper with God rather than be swayed by this teaching. Let's pause for just a moment. I love this passage. I love that Paul wants to see the people of Colossae, the people at that church go deeper with God. A question that I have for myself tonight, something that we have to consider is, do you want that for you? Tonight, do you want to go deeper with God? Or are you sitting here going, ah, man, I've I've arrived. What? Do you want that for you? I want that for me. God is so vast and there is so much for us to obtain from him so much to learn about him, so much to grow in as a community. Do you want that for you? Another question to consider is, do you want that for the person sitting next to you? 
Paul's praying for the church in Colossae. He's praying, saying, I want this for you. I must confess, I don't always want more of God. I don't always want to go deeper. And when I'm sitting in that place, I can guarantee you that I don't want it for you. And so rather than just kind of just walk right through this passage, I want us to consider this. Do we as a community want this? And do we want it for one another? Let's continue in the text. Starting in verse 12, it says this. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people, in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the domain, or excuse me, the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. As I told you tonight, we're going to be talking about the gospel. This right here is a piece of the gospel. When you look at the gospel, though, you need to see it from two different vantage points. I'm going to geek out on you a little bit here, but I love Google Maps. I absolutely think it's amazing that I can log onto the internet anywhere in the world and look at your front door. <laughs> Creepy. I'm serious. It's amazing. It's amazing that I can see the sidewalks that you walk your pet down. But it gets better. I can launch myself into the air and see where your house is located in the vicinity of the Sunset Corridor. Where actually do you live? It blows my mind. Maybe this is just d dumb, but it blows my mind. I can't believe we have this possibility. Like, I can't believe we can do this, right? Very similarly, though, these two different vantage points, that street-level view, right, and that aerial view, we need to kind of hold these two positions when we look at the gospel. There is a street-level view. Here in verses 12 through 14, what we just read, we see the street view of the gospel. This text reveals that the gospel is very personal. It's intimate. It's about God saving you. Let's take a look at it. Verse 13 shows us that there are two kingdoms that exist. Kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God's beloved son. Unfortunately, as the descendants of Adam, we are born into the kingdom of darkness. Apart from Jesus, you and I are inherently sinful, and this sin has cut us off from the kingdom of God. But wait, there's good news. We also see that in verse 13 and 14, God has given us a way out of darkness. Through Jesus, we can be delivered from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into God's kingdom that in Jesus, we are redeemed and forgiven of sin. Now, let me just be straight with you. Did you do this? No. This can only be done by Jesus and his grace, his work on the cross on our behalf 
puts us in right standing with God. I'm sorry, but you on your best day, like just pause for a moment. You on your best day. Like, let's just think about it. Kenny Stone on his best day. Man, that's a pretty good day. I don't even come close to measuring up. We don't measure up. But God, in his great mercy, made a way for you and me through his son, Jesus. What we just celebrated, Christmas, the coming of God to save us, to transfer us from darkness into light. If we trust him, if we trust him, this is the street view of the gospel. It doesn't stop here though. Get ready to be shot in the air. But before that, before takeoff, we're gonna see some of Jesus's resume here in verses 15 through 18. Let's look at it. It says this, the son... Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Here in this text, we see some of Jesus' resume. First, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In short, Jesus is God. Want to know about God? Look at Jesus. Jesus, being fully God and fully man, reveals much to us about what God is like because he is God. Much like I, I look in the mirror in the morning, I'll make sure I'm looking somewhat okay for you, right? Right? To, to, when I look in the mirror, I see an image of Kenny. Yeah, oh, my hair's out of place, or oh, it's, I got a fro from sleeping in my bed, or whatever, right? I, I see what I'm like in the mirror. That's, that's what we're seeing here in this text. If we want to see what the invisible God is like, look at the image of God, or the image of God, which is Jesus, okay? It also says that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. This does not mean that Jesus was created. Jesus has always existed, Rather, what is being said here has to do with the privileges and rights of a firstborn. Okay, the, the context of, of who Paul is talking to here would understand that the firstborn son has certain rights and privileges. Okay, those rights and privileges of Jesus is that he inherits ruling authority. He inherits it as the firstborn of creation, okay? Again, he was not created, all right? He was not created. This is a sonship thing. This is a firstborn thing. He gets things as the firstborn son. Also says that Jesus created all things for his own glory. All things were made through Jesus and for Jesus, which holds to the truth that God is out to make much of himself. It also says that Jesus is the head of the church. He is in charge. See, here at sunset, Jesus is our lead pastor. We go to him for wisdom, right? He is 
in charge. It also says that Jesus is preeminent. The Colossian culture presented many ways to God. They presented Jesus as a way, but not the way. What is being said here is that Jesus is the only way to God. He is preeminent. There is no comparison to him. He surpasses all others. He is Lord. So as we continue here in verse 19, we're going to be shot up in the air. Here we go. Verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Did you feel that? We just shot up in the air. What we just read is the second vantage point of the gospel. See, the true gospel is not just limited to redeeming me or even us in this room. It's about Jesus reconciling all creation, redeeming all creation, making peace of what has been fractured by sin. Romans says it this way. If you guys look at the screen with me real quick here, it says, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves. So all of creation is waiting, longing for this day to be redeemed. I mean, friends, it doesn't take long. You turn on the news for like five minutes and you go, what is wrong? I can't believe that's happening. I, right before I got up here, I talked to a person in our community where things aren't going well for their mom. And it's like, I break. I hurt for that because it's not the, it's like sickness is not what should be happening in our world. Hatred should not be happening in our world, but it is. People should not, certain people shouldn't be murdered. Anybody shouldn't be murdered. Like this stuff shouldn't be happening. I can't wait till the day when this is no more. Not only does creation long for this day, but we as Jesus followers await this day as well. Let's continue and see where the text takes us. Verse 21 says this, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Not sure if you just saw what happened, but Paul has taken us back to the street view of the gospel. We were alienated. We were doing evil deeds. But by Jesus' death and resurrection, if you've trusted in him, his work on the cross has undone these things, and now we are found blameless in front of a perfect, holy God. So 
Just to recap, Paul takes us and shows us the street level of the gospel. Then he shows us some of Jesus' resume. Then he shoots us up in the air and we see the big picture. We see the, the cosmic redemptive plan that God is redeeming and reconciling all things to himself. And then we just shoot back down to the, the street level view here of the gospel is, is personal. It's intimate. It's for you and for me. So why is it significant for us to see and hear and be reminded of the gospel in its entirety, both vantage points? Well, the gospel from the street view is you were saved by it, you will be sustained by it, and you are currently standing in it. If you, under, if you don't understand this, then it is very easy for you to move away from the Savior and back to self-reliance. We must understand that because of Jesus alone, my sin is in the past. That's, my sin in the past is forgiven. My current struggles, covered. My future failures, paid in full by Jesus's work on the cross. Jesus is the source of your salvation. You can't add to the street view of the gospel. A result of adding to it is actually diminishing what Jesus did on the cross for you and I. Jesus alone has set you free. I mean, is this not what Paul says in the book of Philippians chapter three? Paul states that if anyone has reason to think they are awesome, he does. Before Paul came to know and love Jesus, Paul was a religious stud. He was a religious stud, and he counts all of his right doing as garbage because he knows that righteousness or salvation is only obtained when one is in Christ. Are you hearing me? Your church attendance doesn't save you. Your Bible plan doesn't save you. How many Bible studies you attend per year doesn't save you. Jesus alone saves. Jesus saves those who trust him. Okay, just to be clear, everything that I just stated, do not say, oh, Kenny's saying that's bad. I love that you're here tonight. Okay, so I'm not saying don't be here. What I'm saying is, being here doesn't save you. The only thing that justifies us is grace alone through faith. Period. Now, once one comes to trust and love God, something happens. I've heard it said this way. Upon trusting God, we are genuinely new. But it is upon Christ's return that you and I will be made totally new. Friends, when Jesus, excuse me, when God looks at us, he doesn't see all of our junk if we're in Christ. He sees Jesus' righteousness, right? We are genuinely new. But upon Christ's return, we're in this process time where through the power of the Holy Spirit, the church word is, Sanctification is happening. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I are being made more and more like Jesus. 
So God uses church, this community, to shape us. <laughs> Do life with one another for a little while. You'll see what I mean. Like, oh, that guy's so selfish. Like, oh, wait, God's telling me that I'm super selfish. Right? Right? God uses community to grow us, to mature us. And so I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying it doesn't justify you. It doesn't justify you. The aerial view of the gospel is God redeeming all things. God is at work, not just in us personally, but in the world. God is saving creation through Jesus. It's amazing news that this world will one day be as it was created to be. All that is wrong about the world will be no more. All things will be made right. This is significant not only for our benefit, but for our obedience. Having the aerial view of the gospel leads us to jump on board with what God is doing in the world. Yes, God cared about your brokenness, but he also cared about your neighbor's. He also cared about the Sudanese across the world. He cared about their brokenness. Here at a Jesus Church, I don't, I don't know how many of you guys are following a Jesus Church on Instagram, but they've been blowing up my feed with justice initiatives. And I love it that our church family sees and has the aerial view of the gospel. We go across the world, and we give them the good news of Jesus. Yeah, we help them. Yeah, we meet needs. But that is alongside the message of our Savior, Jesus. I also love that our church family right here, Sunset, we send Jose and teams to go over and evangelize to communities, to tell them about Jesus. You're a part of that. Some of you sitting here, maybe even tonight, have gone with Jose. Some of you have helped pay for the trips. Some of you have sat here at home and prayed and said, God, please let them hear your good news. Please soften their hearts to your good news. You have joined. You've jumped on board with what God is doing through sunset. It's important that as we remember the gospel, we equally hang on to both of these vantage points. Yes, the gospel is personal, that street view, but it's also cosmic, that aerial view. And we gotta hold those in balance. If we don't, and we just focus on one for too long, we can get in trouble. It can lead to danger. All right, let me give you a couple examples. Staying at the street level too long could give you some of these problems. One is you will eventually cut off the world. If, if the gospel is all about just personal, it's all about me, then you eventually will cut yourself off from the world and the gospel will be just individualistic and there will be no need for you to interact with the world. This is disobedience. This is the exact opposite of what Jesus calls you to as new creation. We are to be joining God in his redemptive plan. I believe God has placed you where he has placed you for his glory. 
Like, God did not put you in your neighbor to, neighborhood to just hang out. He put you in your neighborhood to make his name great. To proclaim his good news. I got some coffee shop people in the house. Do I got some coffee shop people in the house? Yeah, a couple. Okay. Whoa, like one person. Cool. I believe that he puts you in your workplaces for his glory. Another danger in having the gospel only be personable, personal is that God uses his mission to grow and mature us. When you're interacting with the world, caring for the widow or meeting the needs of, of people both spiritually and physically, God uses this to make us more like him. Oftentimes, when we are joining God in his mission, our inadequacies are revealed, right? Our shortcomings are revealed, and trust issues arise. God uses his mission to grow us, to mature us. I cannot tell you how many times that I've been a part of God's mission and I go, God, I have no idea how this is going to work. I have no idea what you're going to do here. I'm scared. I, I'm having a hard tr time trusting you right now. God wants to mature us while we're on mission. Staying in the air too long, though, can be dangerous as well. Managing external and internal darkness with efforts that don't proclaim Jesus as Savior in the end is ridiculous. Acts of kindness without the message of Jesus, saving power is like putting a Band-Aid on a broken arm. Here's one way I've heard it said. Want to kill weeds in your lawn? Well, don't just mow over them because if you do, they will be back, probably with a vengeance. If you want to kill them, you've got to remove them. And the only thing that has that kind of effect on the human soul is the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we do acts of mercy and justice without the gospel as our motivation and without the gospel as our hope to share, we're really chasing the wind. Tonight, I hope we've gotten some clarity on the gospel. I hope that the Spirit is leading you to respond in one way or another. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you haven't trusted in Jesus. Maybe you're just checking things out. Man, if you are just checking things out, I'm so glad you're here. I hope I get to say hi to you by the end of this evening. My bigger hope, though, is that you meet Jesus. I want you to trust in him. I want you to experience life in Jesus. So maybe that's where you're at tonight. Or maybe you've trusted in Jesus, but Satan has been throwing lies your way. He's been saying, you're not good enough. Man, look at all the screw-ups that you've made. What you should do then is you should point back to him and say, you're right, but I'm found in Jesus. He overcame. Jesus is my fix. Jesus is the one who went to the cross on my behalf and has overcome death. Rather than believe in those lies, maybe you're reminded tonight of the gospel and what Jesus has done for you. And that out of gratitude, you'll continue to follow him. And out of gratitude, you'll 
you'll, you'll look and you'll run this race with endurance. Maybe you've been disobeying and not joining God in his redemptive plan. And maybe this evening, he's showing you it's time to jump in. It's time to join him. It's time to be a part of what he's doing in the sunset corridor. It's time to be a part of what he's doing in the world. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know all of you well enough, but I do know that God knows you. I do know that God knows your heart. I do know that the Spirit's working tonight. 